Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of your new favourite podcast. It is of course Spilling the Three with Cook and Jim. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. No NBA, but plenty of Spilling the Three for our new listeners. And thank you for everyone that has left a review before we have received a couple of new ones on Spotify. So a nice one for that. Gets us up the algorithm and gets more <laughs> eyes on us, to be honest with you. So we do appreciate everyone that does leave a review. But less of that boring shit. Jim, let's talk about yes. some interesting shit. Some trades. Or yes, not trades. Oh, where do you want to start, Cook? Where do you want to start, admin aside? Oh, let's start. Well, they always say everything's bigger in Texas, so let's go to Houston, Jay. <laughs> the, yeah, so the, the Houston Rockets have got a bit of an interesting season on the cook going into um going into next year. They got a lot of cap space. Uh, I think they, I was reading they got sixty million dollars cap space, which is one of the one of the freest teams you could say in the NBA. Um, and they've been recently rumored with. Um, free agent point guards um Fred Van Vliet who's obviously a championship winner with Toronto and um Dylan Brooks who we all thought was going to Shanghai Sharks and he not yet not yet gone to China so I'm sure he'd be happy with this this trade rumor getting back in the NBA but yeah they've got a really young core we kind of touched on a lot on, on um last week when we um we discussed the draft at the end of last week's pod um which just came out I think yesterday or the day before can't remember. So if you've not listened to that one, go listen to that one. We um, talk about how they drafted one of the twins. Um, they mostly drafted a guy at number twenty who fell all the way to twenty, and was there was some personal things that came up in interviews and stuff in the um, draft scout in there. Um, they've got um, the young lad. I can't remember his name. Is it Porter Junior? I want to say it's Porter Junior. Um, a lot of young talent, basically, and. The question for them next year, Cook, I'll, I'll ask you what, what you think they should do. They've, they've had time to develop the young team last year. They've got a new coach in in this year. Um, do they continue to develop at the rate they was developing last year? Not not really challenging. We kind of knew they wasn't going to challenge from the off. Or do they bring in some good players? Um, we're speaking about Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. And... You're still improving your young players, but you're competing for stuff, which could help your progression of said young players. I mean, what do they do here? Do they keep the cap, or do they try and make some moves in the off-season? It's a weird one, and I think the sentimental answer is to go and get James Harden back, and that that would be, again, the, the story kind of answer, the, the perfect ending for him to go there while they do have the space. But I think that they are on a steady rise, and... Ime Udoka again was the last time he uh, managed an NBA game was in the NBA finals for Boston. So the guy has some stock regardless of what he does off the court, the dirty dick, allegedly. But anyway, um, but yeah, the the Rockets, it's exciting. It, it is, and especially if they compare. I know Dylan Brooks has got a, a lot of flack and I'm not actually a fan of the guy at all, but this will only make him stronger and better as a player, all this hate and the criticism and if it doesn't he will be playing in China or he'll be in Europe because that's the level and I think that if they can pick him up on a relatively low risk-free non-starting role I think it's really good business I do and I think that to get Van Vliet in would be excellent bit of business I really do I think the guy that should have a lot of options really I think if he wants a project this is the one that he'd probably pick but I think that they probably should go for someone else and not James Harden because he's not reliable in my opinion. And I don't think he has that hunger anymore. I really don't. I think that 
he almost has lost a bit of love for the game. And I think that it's the easy thing to go to Houston. I don't think it's really anything that's going to prolong or further his legacy. Yeah, I think it's, there's two sides to the Harden coin and they're going back to the Rockets. Um, it makes sense in, in, in the thinking that he's been there before. He's, he's, not, he's, like, he's an icon. He's one of the, the best players of the recent years. He was unbelievable um, when he was at the Rockets. Um, but they have moved on from that. They've moved on from Harden, Westbrook, um, Maury, the the coach he went to 76 has come of his name now, but when they were just chucking up threes and it was kind of like a, they, they changed the way basketball was played and they'd moved on from that because it didn't quite work. Um, the, unfortunately, they ran into a Warriors dynasty at the end of the day. Um, they gave it a good shot, but yeah, they ran into one of the best ever teams in NBA history, in fairness to them. And he's a familiar face around there. Um, he's also a guy you still... I do agree with your assessment a little bit there. Cookie's not a player he was, but he still plays winning basketball. He was still competing in the playoffs last year. He was playing second field to Embiid, obviously, with the MVP, but he still put a really good numbers. Um, pretty surprised he didn't make the All-Star team with, with kind of what he was doing. And he is a guy who is a veteran as well. He would have improved the young guys they already have there, um, especially in that guard position as well. But like you say, they have moved on from that. And yeah, Dylan Brooks and... Fred Van Vliet are rumoured, I think, with the cap space they have, they can pretty much give Fred an almost a max deal, which the, the player would accept, let's face it. And Dylan Brooks would get... He's rumoured that he wants around $12, $13 million contracts. And again, that fits with what the cap space is saying. So the moves that make sense, it's just whether they want to spend that money on them players. Um, I guess it all depends on how long the contracts they can they can get. Um, because they, they ultimately they do need to improve this impressive young core they've got, but they're not going to do that. There's not there's not there's a ceiling to playing losing basketball and improving your young stars. Um, they can have all the potential in the world, but they've got to play to win. Even if it is just going for a play-in, which likely will what be the Rockets are trying to do next year. They're not going to make a massive jump, I don't think. But yeah, I do think they need to start playing more winning basketball, and it's guys like that they need to bring in. Um, whether it will be them too. It is interesting, and they're at a really pivotal stage of the rebuild. You find you feel, don't you? Um, it's it's kind of like when you look at OKC and they got they look they got. I'm not saying they got lucky; they traded very well. They got Shea in, and he just plays. He's just an unbelievable talent. I don't think people expect him to be that good. That's what they need. They need a player that can kind of step up to that level. And um, yeah, next year will be interesting for them. But they should play some exciting basketball. Um, the size and the and the and the youth and the presumed athleticism that comes with that should be quite exciting, so we see what we get from him. Definitely, and it, I'm very excited to see the actual project that they put together, regardless if they get James Harden or not, but I just want to pose the question to you, obviously Philadelphia 76ers were, well, they were a disgrace to themselves in that series, in the in the playoffs, they were a shadow of the team that were in the regular season, and James Harden and Embiid did get a lot of flack for that, but the ultimate question is now these days, can you still trust James Harden when it matters most? And can you trust his body, Jim? Yeah, I, I guess I guess so. I guess it'd be a bit um what's the saying? Um when you do something over and over in sciences that he's doing something over and over again and expecting different results. I mean, they've got to change something because they can't they can't run it back. If they're not in position to so just run it back and try again. Um but 
if 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 they can get Harden to resign, but on a, a, a better structured deal for them, so they can bring someone else in, then we get interesting. Although I feel like we have this talk with the seventy sixers every single summer, like since the process has begun, since they just tanked the hell to get your Simmons and Embiid. We've spoke about every year, every summer. It's kind of like, oh, they've got this guy in it, be different, and it just, it just never is. I mean, this season, what they got in, um, they got in the coach there. I can't remember his name now. I've drawn a complete blank. Um, Doc Rivers came in, and they thought, oh yeah, this is this is changed because of this. We've got we brought Harden from Brooklyn as well, and it was the same, really, a really good regular season team, and then it came to the playoffs, and the stars were the players that let them down. Um, so, yeah, I think they need to do something different. But I do think, even though James Harden is getting to an age now where you can't... He's not the all-star he once was, but if he can come in on a relatively cheap contract, it's, it's a massive win, I feel. Hard not to agree, especially if you can get him in on the cheap. And I think that it is a lot to ask for Houston to really put everything on him, especially with that young core. And he will definitely be the most experienced player in there. And... They were, I think they were 22 and 60 last time I checked last season. So, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a clean slate, really. No, no one's going to be expecting much with that young team, but they've almost had that first year of disappointment, really, that young core gym to get used to the league, get used to each other, and get used to the expectation, more importantly. So, they've got a really good coach in there, regardless if they get James Harden or not. I really would have liked to have seen Jalen Brown from the Celtics go to Houston reunite with Ime Udoka. I really would have liked to have seen that and him be the guy as opposed to a lot of people perceive him as Tatum's number two. But I'll be honest, I put Jalen Brown on par with Jason Tatum. I really do. I, I rate that guy so highly and he could easily leave and be the guy. But I think that he thinks that Boston are just a much better project in the minute. But I really, one side of me would really like to see him go and bet on himself and them not go to James Harden and go to Jalen Brown because I feel like he could definitely take them to the playoffs. I really think he's that good. Yeah, I will agree with the talent there, and that would be good to see. It'd be interesting to see them two split up, Tatum and Brown, and see who does the best being the guy on the team rather than sharing that responsibility. And like you say, there's times when Brown is, if you were if you weren't following the uh, the talk of the NBA and the hype and you just watch Boston Celtics in one game. There's a lot of the times when Brown is the guy and you think he's Tatum's not the guy, is it? It's Brown, but it kind of depends. Um, I guess the problem with that one, Cook, is I don't think the Rockets kind of have anything to give Boston. Um, unless unless Celtics were completely blowing it up and they just wanted young guys and they wanted loads of picks, which Houston have accrued over the last few seasons. But they don't. They want to play winning basketball themselves. So they need some. They need a, a star just as good to come in and replace him. So it, it's a kind of a trade that you just wouldn't happen because of the circumstances, which is a lot of the times what happens in the NBA. You've got to be the time is key, and you've got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, but yeah, as like a, a, a hypothetical situation, watching Brown be the guy in a in a really young team would be quite exciting to see. Yeah. Definitely, I would. I would really have liked to see him and Udoka link back up because they didn't actually have a lot of time together. And I think that yeah, Brown is such a good player. And again, if you weren't to follow the the media narrative, like you said, lad, that a lot of people would think that Brown is the guy. And I think that this is potentially the the last year of that partnership together. I feel like this is maybe the the last dance of that duo because 
again, we, we touched on it last week, Marcus Smart getting traded. I, I could not have predicted that in a million years that he would go before Jalen Brown, but this is the situation that we're in. But moving on, Jim, to someone else that was traded, John Collins. The boy has been traded. Yes. Well, he's... um. Speaking of... We're literally just speaking about listening to the NBA hype and the NBA talk. I mean, if you was been watching the NBA last few seasons, it seems like John Collins is getting traded every single year. He gets rumoured so much. Um, and it's finally happened. And I think this is an exciting move because I can see the Hawks doing something big because the Santa player in Trey Young who has proved that he can be like the big playoff game player. Yeah, he's not done it in the later rounds, but realistically the Hawks haven't been a team that I've expected to go that far. But the player he is, um, an unbelievable talent, can give you 34 a night, can do things in the massive moments. I mean, when I think about him, um, going to Madison Square Garden and what he did to New York, um, just one of my favourite NBA like series of the recent years, just because of the the villainous kind of role he took on and he, he embraced it, um, and the ice tray kind of vibe that he has going on. He doesn't really feel the pressure, but this is a move where the Hawks have got rid of a guy who is, he's, he's, I think, is a good player. I still really like John Collins, so I do. But if they can improve on him bring in um, another forward who's uh, maybe a, a higher level. Um, you're speaking of like, I don't know, your Miles Turner, he's a guy who's kind of rumoured everywhere, he's rumoured the Lakers a lot last year. Um, so yeah, maybe like a Miles Turner could come in and the Hawks could go for it because there's only so many years on this rookie contract that Hawks, that Trey Young's going to be at and it's in them years where the Hawks go and have to, they'll have to go and win. And Last year, what there was a there was a playing team, weren't they? They actually beat the Heat <laughs> in that one game, and yeah, they they picked a few off Boston Celtics, but you kind of thought that series was never going anywhere. So they need to stay step up a massive level. But I do think if Trey gets a really like all star caliber partner, especially in the East as well, which is it's a weaker conference than the West to get out of, they could be a real player. They could go all the way to the NBA Finals just with like a few moves and. I think that trade is a signal of intent from them to um to go and make the move up and, and Cook John Collins has gone to the Jazz and the Jazz have fell on a really good player and we was kind of we spoke off Mike the other day about how when you look at the trades that are happening recently, especially the BO one, um and you think of how little the Wizards are getting back and you think of how much Utah got for Mitchell and Gobert and how surprisingly well they did last year. I mean Lauren Markin made a massive step up from his time in Chicago. Um, Tesla, the 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 rookie that they drafted was one of the better rookies in the season. They've got a nice young team, got a lot of picks, and now they get Collins. They're at a weird kind of stage in the timeline of like what Utah Jazz do now. Um, they kind of tanked and come back up really quickly, it seems. But quite an interesting team to watch now, weirdly. Definitely, and again, a bit of a clean slate, you could suggest and. It's very similar to the Rockets where that team had a year maybe of underachieving and getting used to each other in the league. And they were 37 and 45 last year, which left them finishing 12th. And like I said, comparing that to the Rockets, they were 22 and 60. I think that on the surface level, it's not actually that bad a season, really. 37 and 45, it's, it's, it's near enough even, really. So I think that you add a few pieces, like you've said there. I think that Collins, obviously he's left the Hawks now. I think that going to... 
a team like the Jazz that is such a... It's hard to say because I couldn't really tell you how the Jazz play. It's just a, a the unit. I, I really Every time I've watched them, which isn't a lot, I've been really impressed by Mark and Jordan Clarkson as well, a guy that obviously moved. Was it was he from LA? Could be wrong, but Clark Clarkson was there, and and I think that he's a player as well. I think that again, this team it could be it could be a wild card for the player in this team. I really do, and I think that again on the surface they they have less of a step to go to the playoffs than I would say than the Rockets, obviously because of the record but I think that in terms of an exciting project there's not a lot between it there's really not and that's saying something with the Rockets obviously having the cap space that they've got yeah I think of the Jazz as like a really really boring team to watch um remember when it was I think they might have even finished top of the west or at least second and not not too long ago with Gobert and Mitchell but it was a really good amazing defensive team with Gobert the um he won a few defensive players years, I think, but just quite boring. Not not like not a team you want to like just throw on the league pass if he was if your team wasn't playing. You want to watch a game, but then this season we went into it thinking they're going to be even worse. I mean, they've just they they basically just got loads of picks and loads of young guys, and like you say, thirty seven wins is probably about ten or fifteen more than everyone expected. And I think it was I remember opening night they actually beat the Denver Nuggets last year I think open opening night or one of the first games of the season quite easily and it was like what has gone on here like it's kind of like the playing with no pressure and it's helped all of them and it's helped Markin be the player he was expected to be when he got drafted in Chicago and maybe it's going to help John Collins be the player that he maybe was expected to be or could be because there's times when John Collins I think has been amazing I mean Last year he got the massive dunk, didn't he? On um, was it on Embiid? Um, I I I like him. I do like him, and I think he can make if he makes that step up that Lowry Markin's made. It's suddenly a team which is is getting there. It's getting exciting. I mean, got two guys. I mean, massive step ups, and then yeah, they've really quickly rebuilt. And I think when you look at the Gobert um, Mitchell trade, which I'll go back to. At the time, it was crazy because they got rid of two of the better players, and he was all he was always a contender, uh, the Utah Jazz. But they got so much back from it, and I think the more you see other players, other stars getting traded, when they got they got more for them than like KD went to Phoenix for, and what Beal went to Phoenix for. So, yeah, the more trades, more massive trades that are happening, the more you look back and think the Jazz have made some really, really clever moves that didn't look too clever at the time. Definitely, and like you said, it's it's that trust factor, and it's that first year of them actually digging in, and the expectation being so low. Where again, similar to the Rockets, where the only way is up, and I think that again next year the expectation will be so low, even after the draft and coming out of this, because they'll be like, well, last year we we were there or thereabouts, just about breaking even. So let's just try and get in the play. And again, I don't think the expectation will be any higher than that. I really don't. But I feel like, again, like I said before, I couldn't even tell you how they play because of how, again, they're not one of the teams that you just throw on on the league pass. Literally, the them, I would probably say them, the Wizards. Um, I'm trying to think of any any others that I wouldn't really lob on, Jim. Um, oh, geez. I don't know. I can't think of 
Final last year, the Spurs. You're going to watch the Spurs yeah. last year, and you'll be watching them every week this year. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Well, definitely a lot of people in France will be. But yeah, no, yeah. no. I, th- I think that uh, that that could be actually a factor this year, potentially. A lot of teams that probably weren't your first things that you were going to watch, and maybe that is, again, the beauty of the draft, that it can perk an interest into a franchise like like what has happened here with the Spurs. And I think that for them, because because we, we, can, we can touch on this now, obviously... Again, I think that those teams, the Rockets, potentially even the Trailblazers, Jim, and the Jazz, I think that they almost do have a free hit this year. Yeah, things move fast in NBA. I mean, it's it's a weird concept to get your head around when you're a, like, like we are just watching football in, in, in the UK and England. But when you tank and you get a guy like... Like when Banyana, like Spurs are going to go from one of the teams where they was even trying to... Like they was actively trying to lose games. It was... I imagine supporting them was awful last year, but I guess they know what they're in for and they ultimately got the prize that they wanted and then next year is going to be so exciting, which is just crazy how things can just flip like that. The expectation is just is massive and it just changes so quickly. And I mean, some of the Wembanyama expectation is just ridiculous. I've seen some things on Twerk of like, I've seen two, two tweets in the same account Quite a big like NBA Twitter account, and it was um one of them was who would you rather draft, um LeBron, knowing what he did, or Wembanyama? <laughs> so like comparing him already to the greatest player ever, and then the next tweet was literally the next day, and he was what can this guy do that Wembanyama can't? And he was a picture of Ball Ball, and it's just. Like, he is going to get, if he has, like, one bad game, which he will have as well, and he will get bullied as well, when, a, when a, like, a big stocky centre gets on him and the, this, this kind of build that he is, he isn't a centre build. It's probably a conversation that we'll have further down the podcast that he probably isn't a centre despite his height. When he gets them clips happen, it's just gonna, the, the social media stuff just kind of, it's just going to go crazy and... I don't know. It's a bit of a shame, I think. It's, but it's just how modern sports work, I guess, isn't it? I think that inevitably, when the social media shit happens, it'll be, oh, he needs to bulk up. He's too skinny. Oh, look at him. Because the the matchup that I'm actually really looking forward to is, I've I've seen a couple of memes of it. It's AD versus Wembenyama, and it's that matchup, and it's them both jumping up. The meme of them both going up for a block, and them both going down injured. <laughs> So I'm 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 looking forward to that for for selfish reasons, but no, I think that inevitably that that comes with the territory. Really, to be serious with it, that comes with the territory. That comes with being the modern day social media sensation that these people are, and they can't exactly go and be- put their head in the sand and act like they're not this big superstar when they do all this media for the draft. They they are global superstars. The NBA has never been bigger now, and yeah, I think that just comes with the territory. To be honest with you now. Yeah, it's just crazy though, and it's a step back and think about it. Um, especially such a young guy. I mean, he was, it was probably more than a year ago that I'd heard of him, which is crazy because he wasn't even entered for the draft. And just the well, just when you seen the size of him and you seen that he was doing stuff like a step back free, you know, one legged free jumper. He was on a podcast the other day when he was on JJ Reddick's podcast saying that he he actually prefers to do a one legged free point point shot, and it's just like what. And then if from even before watching him play a G League game, it's kind of the expectation is he is the best 
prospect ever. Some people saying they would take him over LeBron, knowing what LeBron has done. It's just crazy. He takes you back to the the expectation LeBron had when he came into the league. Because if you go back, that was insane, and it's similar. So he can't really win unless he's one of the best players ever at this point, <laughs> and he's nineteen, going into a different country. Which, yeah, like I say, the pressure on him I can only imagine. But it'll be something that I'm sure we'll both be following next year because he's got to be one of the most exciting players that you want to see for the first time, just because of his his profile. Yeah, there's no doubt. He's a he, Wemby is going to be a generational talent, and and that's just before he's even started, really. Because genuinely, the league has not seen anybody really like that. Someone like you say can do everything that you've already listed before. But Jim, we're going to move on to something that we're an idea we've been kicking around, and that's a nice little segue into what we're going to get into. And it was a bit of a comparison that he was going to do between a couple of 40 players and a few in the NBA that we was on about before and one that we have already addressed on the pod I I compared Antonio Conte to Eric Spolster a, a more calm version of Conte because again I compared it to the fact that I feel like both of them are good at getting chicken salad out of chicken shit and really making the most of, out of a bad situation Yeah you had a good one last week as well when we were talking about Lillard and moving and Harry Kane and moving and kind of their legacies and uh, staying at one club and yeah so yeah it's a bit of a fun segment this one I mean I don't know what players you've got Cook brewing but we're yeah. going to try and compare some we're going to try I don't know what we're trying to do are we going to try and give the football equivalent of the NBA player or the NBA equivalent yeah. of the football player hey whatever suits the narrative whatever suits the narrative like one off the top of my head, another one I, I, I compared, I, I did this the other day, so I compared LeBron to Ronaldo in terms of the the way they both look after the, like the body. That is obviously like they're both older gentlemen that are still operating or Ronaldo was operating at a very high level and obviously looks after himself. They've done it at multiple teams, won at multiple teams. And I, I would compare Messi to maybe the Michael Jordan who's only played for a couple of teams but has also won. Um, on the biggest stage when it mattered the most. So there, there were a couple that I just had from before doing some base research on it. For you, I would like Harland. Harland. Ha- ha- I just I kind of thought about one a little bit, and Harland came to mind, okay. and it, and it's got to be, it's got to be Wen Vanyama. Oh yeah, just just based on like. The hype when Banyama had playing in France, the hype Haaland had playing in Norway, had the size of them both. Like even on NBA aspects, he, he's just a massive. It's like a freak, and he's like he was made in a lab, kind of like what everyone says about Haaland. And Haaland's lived up to the massive hype. Um, so we'll see what Wemby does. But yeah, I think that I think that's a a good comparison. Cook, if I was to give you one, I'll give you. And this is a bit of an older player, a retired NBA player. But who is the football equivalent? And this is going off uh, Marcus Rashford's recent picture in the New Man United kit when he was with the roses on the chair, like Alan Iverson. Who is the Alan Iverson? Because I actually thought of a comparison the other day of this when I was watching Alan Iverson. I can't even say that. An Alan Iverson clip on Instagram. Who is the football equivalent of him? He was kind of like an outspoken 
just an amazing player, but he kind of did a lot of stuff for basketball that wasn't playing basketball, like the impact he made. Yeah, see, that's that's a really tough one because th- there's a few ways you can go. You can obviously go that the way that he, he he changed the the way obviously things are done with the dress code and stuff like that. But I was the first person that came to my head from AI, just from a I would say maybe from an irrational confidence point of view, was Latan. That was the first person that came to to my head with with AI there. That and the the practice like that. That's what I thought of straight away when it came to my head. But who was you thinking? I was thinking this is nothing to do with all that dress code stuff and being an outspoken person. But it's kind of a player who probably isn't remembered for his footballing stuff as much as he should have been. Um, is David Beckham is kind of a player that you look back and think he's a massive guy. Everyone knows who he is because of the stuff that he does off the pitch. And But sometimes you forget how good David Beckham was. And I think sometimes when you see Alan Iverson clips, it's not always him playing basketball, which to me is like, we don't actually know. I mean, obviously he was an MVP and I mean, basketball players are going to think, I'm not saying that people don't know how good he was, but the casually look back will probably know Alan Iverson. I think there's people who know Alan Iverson for stuff they did, not on the court, like there is in football, who know David Beckham because of not, not being a footballer, but for being just so famous and I guess, yeah. No, that was, that, uh, that's a good one. I really like that one. That's I never, to be honest with you, I never thought of Beckham, but that is a much better one in terms of, like you said, not everything when you see about AI, even to this day, it, again, it could be the, the practice interview, it could be the dress code, it could be him making a rap album completely dissing David Stern. It could be so many things. Yeah, but it's not him being the MVP, is it? There's no, like, it's Alan Iverson MVP highlights to like that. It's just, like, something he said. Yeah. The, the the main thing that you do see as well is him stepping over Clippers coach Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that was his MVP season, I think. Iconic. Um, Iconic, but yeah, when you run into Kobe and check in the playoffs, it's not going to go too well. No. Another one that came to my mind, <laughs> just Jim, one that I'd like to get from you, Mo Salah. Ooh, Mo Salah. That is an interesting one, an NBA equivalent of Mo Salah. I mean, have you got a comparison that you're thinking of in your head already? So I'm, I, the, the the way I was trying to rationalise it while I was thinking about it, I was trying to think someone that's pulled the team to something is is always reliable there or thereabouts. But I would say the main one that's came to my mind, and it completely contradicts maybe what I've just said a bit in terms of the reliability, but I thought for this team he was very reliable. Is Kawhi Leonard, I thought for the Raptors he was very reliable and he did pull his socks up and drag them to a title. So that would be my comparison, less so now after the pandemic and stuff like that. But I would say if you're going to say in eras, that was someone I would really, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting one. I've got one for you, Cook, as well. Like we can wrap this we can wrap this one up. Okay. And this is I I'll try and think of someone while you're answering. But Russell Westbrook. Oh, this is a really good one. So I think I think I think we're looking for a footballer who has been absolutely amazing as maybe like a young going into his prime. Individually won stuff. Um but not quite won anything championship wise, and then later in the years, unfortunately, has 
gone around a few clubs maybe where it's not quite worked out and there must be a footballer that we can think of top of red like that. Um, oh, lad, I don't know about individual awards, but he, he won, definitely won a Premier League. The first person that came to my mind was Balotelli. Bal- yeah, I don't know if Balotelli reached the levels. Yeah, that's Paris. what I mean. Individually yeah. wise, no. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. He won stuff at City, then he went to, um, well, obviously he won Champions League at Inter, won at City, then went to Liverpool, bounced around some weird leagues, ended up at Marseille. Brazil, w- very weird career for Mario. Yeah, there the must. I can't think now. So there must be a player who just keeps getting moves when he's a bit too old, and you're expecting a bit too much of him. Like when he went to the Lakers and then to the Clippers, still serviceable, but yeah. not the player he was. No, definitely not. The, definitely not the player he was. But I think that yeah, Westbrook again. If you're gonna pick pick eras. I feel like back in the day, it's hard to justify someone who reached that physical peak of an MB, uh, sorry, of an MVP, and then not fell off a cliff because obviously he's still usable. He nearly got six man last year, really. If it if he'd have probably stayed at the Lakers, but I think that yeah, it's hard. It's hard. The first person that came to my head again, not from an individual accolades kind of standpoint, just from being a bit of a dickhead, was Joey Barton. What do you think of Westbrook? You know, when he fucks about with the press and he's just like, you know, just like he's a bit of an antagonist. Do you know what? I've got one. Go on, go on, hit me. And we're going quick. He did win things that Westbrook didn't win, obviously. But Wayne Rooney. And my my thinking is that he was absolutely incredible. Obviously, probably one of the best players ever, but. I like that. There was a time when Wayne Rooney was after late thir- was getting to his thirties and he was playing for Derby and Everton and he just wasn't the same player playing for in, in MLS. And that's my thinking. <laughs>